0: Comrades and friends, hello. Uh, It's Rob here in the Bunker studio. Uh, Before we get to the main episode today, uh, which is with our friend and comrade, John Kowalko, I wanted to take a few minutes to give you all an update from last week's show. Uh, Stacey Henry and Kobe Owens were on to discuss the plight of the people who uh, are still displaced after the flooding in Northeast Wilmington last September. And uh, Stacey has joined me today today. Uh, to give uh, an update on uh, one of the families that um, was still struggling in substandard hotel housing um, over the weekend, um, Stacy, can you uh, can you uh, go over sort of the the incident of last weekend, please?
1: Yeah. Yes, and good morning. Thank you, Rob. Good for giving me an opportunity to uh, give a update. Unfortunately, there is a family that has suffered a loss. Uh, This family had been staying in the hotel since September's Hurricane Ida flood. Approximately six months ago, um, they have been housed by our Delaware Health and Social Services and was really supposed to be, you know, protected Uh, case-managed, and basically helping them to get through this uh, terrible disaster. Well, last week, there was a family, wife, husband, and grandson. The husband took ill and was rushed to the hospital, and unfortunately, he passed away during an emergency surgery. And my heart really goes out to this family. I have met with them several times and tried to support them and also encourage them to continue to contact uh, the case management from Delaware Health and Social Services because they were in they were in need for many things that they did not receive. And one of them, was to have someone to talk to, uh, mental health counseling. The gentleman was very depressed, very depressed. I spoke with him several times. And then the last time I spoke to him a few weeks ago, um, after a visit to the hotel, he just expressed that he was tired. He was very depressed. He was tired of being in the situation that he was in with his wife. And his grandson, and feeling very hopeless because he felt he was not getting the support and the help that he needed to move forward. So, at this current time, I'm working with his wife to help uh, prepare a, a service, a homegoing service for him because this, his wife doesn't have the money or the resources to give him a proper burial and a home going service. And again, you know, she has reached out, I have reached out to the agencies and to Delaware Health and Social Services. And I've been told, you know, we're working on it. We're working on it. We're trying to do something. And it's just to me, again, here's another urgent issue that needs to be taken care of. This family has suffered through enough. Uh, I talked to the wife several times yesterday. And after her husband died, she got a call. And they just magically have a place for her. Um, and she's still very distraught because she feels... The stress that she had to go through and her husband had to go through, it it contributed to some of the the distress that he went in when he was rushed to the hospital. And she's very, very sad about this because she feels there's something else she could have did. There was another call she could have made. And I'm very upset about it because even though I pushed and pushed and pushed and tried to make things happen for these families, It just didn't happen. And, you know, I don't know if he would have still been here had he not been so depressed and went through whatever he was going through. But at the same time, his last days were stressing and depressed over a situation that should have been handled months ago.
0: Yeah. I mean, I talked to Kobe as well, and I do know that the gentleman had, you know, some uh, chronic issues. Uh, but the anxiety and the stress and the depression of the situation um, with no, you know, no transportation, no support network, struggling to get food every day um, and not getting the proper you know, medical support, uh, both for medical conditions and mental health, uh, has to play into it and exacerbate it. And um, I can just tell you what I what I said when I saw the email uh, that I was just very sad and very angry uh, that this family had been sent off to a rundown motel and, and basically left there um, for months—it um, it really is unacceptable, and we all have to own it. You know, we, we just we don't really care enough, and I'm I'm very glad that uh, a home was found uh, for these for this family. But in my understanding from Kobe is also that, of course, they lost most of their things in the flood. It's not like they have home furnishings or houseware or anything like that. So that's another thing that, you know, we're going to have to think about how to how to support them as they first try to try to uh, bury their their grandfather and their and their husband, but also as they get set up in a new place so they can have some semblance of of peace and, and safety um, uh, where they are. So, um, yeah, I know that you have a a, a link. Set up that will help directly with funeral uh, costs. Um, we're going to we're going to link that uh, in the show notes so people can use that. I, I really would you know anything you can give a few dollars just to to help sort of bring this family a little bit of peace. Um, I I would really appreciate um, you doing that in this in this difficult um, situation. And um and once again, Stacy, I just want to thank you for. Um, I mean, you're there no matter what happens. You know, um, over months and months and months, you're there um, to offer support, um, to offer services, or or you know, make phone calls and just help make arrangements for some folks who have been just in in dire straits for months. So, thank you.
1: You're welcome, Rob. And and the families I know, they're they're st- the ones that are still struggling. It has been my commitment and it will continue to be my commitment to support these families and whatever, you know, can be done. And, you know, Miss Revel, I'm working with her, you know, pretty much calling and, and sitting with her and having, having letting her have a time to just, you know, in some cases just cry to grieve her husband. And she basically, you know, she asked me to step in help with the funeral, um, you know, writing the obituary and working with the funeral home because she's just, she's broken to the point where, you know, she, you know, just talking to her sometimes, it's just very hard to understand what she's saying because she's just so, so, you know, upset and not able to properly communicate what it is that she needs. And everything that anyone can do to support this family we are going to do it because we look at this situation. We've talked about this situation. We begged, we pleaded to help support these families so this, these type of things wouldn't happen. And you know, we can't say who, what, when, where, and what, why, but it's here today. It's something we need to wrap our hands around, wrap our prayers around, and support this family as much as we can. And that's what I'm going to do.
0: Well, Stacy, thanks so much, um, folks. We'll have what, whatever links you see in the show notes. Just uh, trust that you know we've we've either set those up and verified them with the right folks, so you can know that this is all. Um, you know, if you give a dollar, if you get five dollars, this is all going to make sure that uh, number one that the family can have a, a proper service and a proper burial for their loved one, and also um, whatever you know sort of support they might need to to move into a new place because. You know the silver lining is yes they have um, somewhere to go now a, a permanent residence of course it's empty they have nothing and you know and their and their grandfather and husband is is gone so I hope you guys will um, sort of take that to heart and and, and try to help out um, once again Stacy I'm sure we'll be talking soon um, hope you have a good day and I'm I'm sorry we had to uh, to speak under these circumstances
1: yes thank you all and I know the family you know will appreciate anything that can be done to help and to support and i will make sure whatever whatever is given or ever how it's given and the prayers that can go up for this family will be greatly greatly appreciated because we have another long journey for this family
0: Yeah, well thank you so much and uh folks uh, here's uh, this week's show
2: Well, you have to pardon my uh, occasional coffee and, short of the breath, it's my old uh, 17, when I was 17, I had exposed asbestos down at the federal, uh, I worked for the government at the Navy Yard. Oh, yeah, my you know friend, what? Yeah, so they I gave me right early. Yeah. I didn't, didn't know that until I was in my 40s. I didn't know exactly the extent of it. And then uh, they said, oh, yeah, you qualify for all these... Oh, about two hundred thousand in money, but they're all bankrupt. So it was like two thousand dollars. Here you go. Hope you have a happy life.
0: Yeah, they don't. They don't have any, right?
2: They're like, yeah, you're qualified oh, for yeah. money, but and they don't have Carver any. And corporate came up with yeah. that Hatch Act with, with Orrin Hatch, where they, uh, if you didn't have active uh, mesothelioma, you, uh, their 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 idea was they would get money, but everybody else doesn't. I said, how does this work? I went to my insurance company. They said. Short story, but I had written articles about the companies that had uh, John Mansfield was one. They had their their medical director actually sent a memo. Out. I had a copy of that memo. My attorney got me, which said, uh, "Yeah, this is very damaging, but it's uh, it, it takes so long to incubate that we can use it for another twenty five years as best as nobody's going to know." So anyway, uh, when uh, his bill, I said, "You know." That would preclude someone like me who doesn't have, at this time, mesothelioma, from uh, uh, what actually happened a week ago. I was talking to him about it, Ruth Ann Minner's fundraiser there, somewhere around here. It was uh, one of the uh, big shot houses, you know. And uh, he said, well, would you think we should punish those companies that, ha- that have bought, it, uh, bought other companies? I said, yes. They bought it with the obligation that they got like a two billion dollar two billion dollar discount on their purchase because they had the obligation. I said, and I went to my insurance company. My kids were like one and three at the time. I went to my insurance agent. And I said, I'd like to buy more, you know, insurance for myself. He said, no problem, no problem. Then about a day later, I got a call. Said, no one will insure you for any more. Keep what you got because you have. Asbestos, yes, tissue scoria, pulmonary problems, and uh, so, I, so I said to Carver, what happens if I have a heart attack next week? I don't qualify for the mesothelioma thing because I didn't have die of mesothelioma, but if I die of that, my family's left with nothing. Well, you know, it's, I, we, uh, that has nothing to do with this. I, you know, yeah, it's right. a cla- the classic example corporate. of like. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: the classic example of the middle of the road really helps nobody. It's just a band aid. <coughs> no, they don't do middle bullshit. road.
2: They do pro corporations. Yeah, yeah. Delaware, corporate, Biden, all of them. You know. Yeah. Well, comrades and friends, hello. Uh, as you
0: uh, may have guessed, if that go- <laughs> if that's uh, added to the uh, to the program, we're here with a uh, great friend of ours and uh, somebody who I'm going to uh, give the title of Representative Emeritus. Uh, to, to to congratulate him on his retirement uh, from the Delaware House of Representatives, uh, our old friend and comrade, uh, John Qualco. Th- uh, thank you so much, for thank
2: coming. you, Rob. Pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, the, the the news, um, I have to tell you, it was bittersweet when I saw that you announced it. It was, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a, uh, you know, you kept it kind of close to the vest, um, <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, obviously everybody wants to take a break at some yeah. point. So it's like, well, yeah, you have to at some point, you know, hang them up and, uh, and yeah. chill out a little bit. But yeah, I mean, you were, I remember in 2006, right, was your first? Uh, yeah, 2006. Yeah, it was the first time, and this will come up again because we're, we're looking at it again. I had to vote with an absentee ballot. Uh, in the primary, because I was going on a business trip and I had to come into the city and go into the office and vote, and I made sure to vote with an absentee ballot because I voted for you, and uh, and I I remember um, calling home. This was like I, I I guess I was on the phone with my ex-wife when it, when it came out and I heard that that you had won, and I knew it was it was it was a uh, it was a big moment because we didn't have anybody. Um, who would make the arguments that you would make, or or say the things that you were saying, and um, so yeah, I I felt like I I was there for the full the full duration of your career. So I I just want to tell you congratulations. Um,
2: yeah, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and like I mean, when you reflect on it, how do you what do you think? Just as a as a general general thought. Well,
2: my gen- general reflection. Is, well, first of all, let's get back to the, uh, to the to the to the most recent development, and that is the fact that I've. Uh, uh, decided to uh, retire, uh, past the baton to someone else, and, uh, a number of reasons for that, and not the least of which is certainly a growing uh, uh, frustration with the status quo that I've experienced for my entire 16 years. It gets very tiring, It gets very wearisome. But more importantly, is the is the advent of new uh, new uh, freer thinkers, uh, uh, you want to call them progressive liberals or or open-minded or honest, uh, I, w- I would say that progressivism is actually honest uh, politics compared to a, a a taint of dishonesty in in the moderate uh, uh, to conservative movement. But uh, I, there was a new group coming in. Uh, I'll be uh, I'll be 77 in September, and you know, and I'm not sh- going to be a strong Thurman being wheeled in in a wheelchair to uh, uh, to a uh, blast. You know, uh, yeah. uh, the theory, the theoretical, blasting uh, of of what what I see is wrong and not wrong, and and I think most importantly is the fact that uh, I think that you know the district I represent certainly is is perfect ground for a like-minded progressive candidate to come up. So I wanted to make that announcement for sure. We went on break. So there'd be plenty of time to uh, to uh, recruit. You know, as a matter of fact, we, uh, uh, my wife's the secretary of our RD committee by default. Another one of those offices nobody wants to fill, and we are having a meeting uh, next week. Hopefully, we're going to reorganize our RD committee, and there'll be people stepping up. And a couple of people have sent me, you know, sort of surreptitiously, emails like, uh, "What what do you think it would be to take to get that position?" I want everybody to get engaged in this in this thing. The first step, certainly I believe for a viable candidate would be to to join the RD committee, the 25th RD committee. so hopefully they'll come to that they'll come to by Zoom to that meeting and we can move on from there and maybe have a few people that are expressed a willingness. you know my yeah. my intention and certainly I want this clear as, as I can make it. My intention is not to consider myself as some kind of a kingmaker, anointer, uh, anything like that. I, w- I would love to have someone that I honestly believe and has shown me that they have that uh, propensity tendency. And then I will, you know, move forward with uh, support or of that, that person. But right now, I don't have anything but an open mind. Yeah. And I, I can tell you that. I know exactly what you mean about someone who
0: sort of works behind the scenes to push their agenda. Uh, you know, plays that political game behind the scenes, and that person can be considered if they have if they can leverage that kind of political capital, a kingmaker. But I think what you've proven in your career is that any anyone you'd endorse, you're going to do it. You know, in a sincere way mm-hmm. and in a thoughtful way, and someone who you know uh, you know is, gonna, is going to Carry on the tradition and the, and the ideas that you had if you're going to say endorse someone. So you know I can tell you that whoever however that tends to work out and I've I've heard a few names like I'm not going to talk out of school or anything but the names that I've heard are very exciting and I know that if you if, if I know the people that are working. Um, with you at the RD. So I'm pretty excited about what I'm could happen. Curious. You know, Medina and I talked about it too and it's, a, it's no. it can be an exciting time even though the legislation itself seems to be pretty much stalled, but it's it is an exciting time no. for what we can do and the changes we can make because we've done it the last couple cycles.
2: And I think it's important and I think it's important that uh, groups that, and individuals like Medina and all that although they're not in my district, they uh, also can reference people uh, and advise people. Hey, here's a direction you might want to you want to go, and you might want to and, and like I said, advising people to join the R&D committee is, I think, the first step. You know, to get engaged with that, to to make their position more uh, viable as far as moving forward. So I, I will send you an email when we get home of my wife's notification of the Zoom meeting. I think we we haven't set up the Zoom meeting, which will be next week. Uh, for the RD meeting. That won't be a meeting to pick anyone. That won't be a meeting to endure. That'll be a reorganization of the committee, hopefully to put a structure back. We used to have one of the most active committees in the state. The problem that, that occurs with the 25th is that we have a lot of young students that move on. We have a, a, a lot of uh, older people that that have moved on to uh, a couple of people going to Jersey for jobs, for work, and all that. So our committee has suffered these losses but it's not from uh, a lack of uh, being welcome open open arm welcomed to all democrats of every stripe and then let's let's sort through this and let's get this thing going so that's the first step you know and so anyone you know that lives in the district registered democrat please uh you know forward the, with the email that i'll forward to you and so they, they can attend the meeting by zoom you know? I, I will definitely do it yeah, and as a matter idea. of fact i think you know, and I'm someone
0: who's um, generally quite cynical about these sort of uh, these sort of systemic party uh, things. However, if we've learned nothing from uh, what just happened here in RD four, uh, we know that organization at the RD level um, can uh, you can wield power from there. You can organize. I know Jordan Pusey's doing it in her RD, um, so I know that it's something that can be done if it's done in a thoughtful sort of organized way so yeah I, I I will absolutely send it out I will absolutely have people uh, take a look at it and hopefully attend it um, because yeah I think it's 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 very exciting well again this goes to sort of your uh your semi-retirement, whatever you're still you're still there to advise and to be someone to say we're going to reorganize this and we're going to go in a direction and I'm going to step away. However, let's all let's kind of do it together first and build the foundation so we can move on in the way that everybody's comfortable and uh, yeah. w-
2: and build on what you've built. And, and, th- and it's true uh, the RD uh, committee structure sometimes can be uh, very wearying uh, as far as uh, moving forward with things but i've always felt that the 25th RD was not was a, an anomaly to that to that uh, status quo type of party maintained structure and, and uh, the independence uh, i i know that at many of the conventions there was one or two or three including yours truly who spoke up against things and raised issues on the floor uh, uh, that were of the convention so uh, i i take pride in that i i think it's almost uh, uh, it, it, impossible to ignore the RD's power of influence. That's why, if you have a legitimate RD process uh, uh, of joining, if you have legitimate RD endorsement and consideration of potential candidates, we're going to come up with a, uh, the best candidate. You know, I'd
0: like to um, get into the status of some some pending legislation and get your get your feeling on it and, and where it's at. But I also think it'll help us. Um, sort of as a jumping off point to discuss a larger problem of uh, stagnation Um, because a lot of these issues are have come up before over and over and over again. They run up against the same type of organized um, opposition and so I think it will be Helpful to look at these specific current cases that people are familiar with, and and be able to and be able to talk about what the opposition is like. Um, so moving forward, that can start to be neutralized. The yep. first big one um, is, and I lumped them sort of together, but Leobor, the Cop Bill of Rights, but criminal justice as a whole. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a new uh, piece in the Delaware Independent in Andrew Sharp's uh, website uh, for Sussex News. Uh, about even further reports from the Sussex Correctional Institution about what, they don't use the word torture, they use the word, you know, brutal methods or, or whatever, but it's really just torture. Um, nobody um, seems to want to address it. Nobody talks about what COVID did. Nobody talks about uh, sort of any of this stuff, and I, I find that very troubling. Um, but when the rubber hits the road and we have, we have pending legislation in Leobor um, that's now under threat of further amendments yeah. it it really it, it really uh sort of indicates how difficult it is to organize against this stuff but give me your 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 idea on leobor itself maybe a little grander in in the whole criminal justice sort of issue and and then what the opposition is like
2: uh well uh first let's uh, why don't you define for the people of leobor? Yeah, so the, the, Leobor as as as,
0: as most briefly. listeners will know or readers of the Delaware call or just followers of Delaware is a um is a law by which there's really no transparency in law enforcement. Uh, and, <clears throat> and the 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 standards by which um, cops can use force and operate uh, are very hazy. People's records about how they've used force and why are shielded from the public. And so we have, you know, and and we've talked about them before on the show. So many incidents of, of violence, um, up to, you know, police killing uh, unarmed people. Um, And there's not, there hasn't been much we've been able to do to address this problem because the law officers themselves have specific rights to secrecy, Um, and so the. The law will at least um, allow us a little more transparency into people's records, how they're using force and, and things of that nature, and maybe you can give some some details.
2: Yeah, and uh, and uh, what I would point out here is a very uh, uh, not specific to Delaware, but very specific to efforts to reform, uh, let's call reform police behavior. You know, uh, and uh, Delaware is particularly guilty of. of casting uh, a, a glance aside when it comes to any kind of play, we have a a more than significantly uh, restrictive to the public of uh, uh, policeman's Bill of rights. efforts to move that into the to the enlightened age as opposed to the dark ages where it, it probably would never should have been existed, but it has existed. It, it have been met with a very uh, strong, uh, uh, vocal uh, resistance by by the police union in the state of Delaware. Some of the comments that were made by the uh, the union representatives about a year ago and all that. Uh, uh, actually, I I, I I was stunned at the frankness of their of their unwillingness to accept any responsibility for anything, you know. And and when so it, matter of fact, uh, what the uh, Recently, offered a bill, I believe, about uh, uh, considering uh, uh, banning uh, kneeling on 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 the necks of people. I, I believe it was my good friend uh, Nambi's bill. I'm not sure whose whose it was, but I said I would rather support and that it, it, there's no excuses in it. Instead, they accepted, oh, you can kneel if you feel threatened. Well, that's been the excuse throughout the history of the United States and the police force that has become almost a, a enemy of the people, not what it's supposed to be. I mean, I've had problems with the, with the facts that, that in Delaware and other places, uh, but in Delaware in particular, that, that we still make, make sure that we maintain our access for armored vehicles. I mean... What is, what is this uh, is this pinochet's uh you know Chile? I mean you know, I don't I,
0: understand I, I said it before when <laughs> when I remember and unfortunately there's been some incidents both the um the Smyrna prison uprising mm-hmm. and a couple of other sort of armed incidents I think in bear and you see the state cops rolling and it does look like a uh, it looks like a, a fascist central american army
2: yeah like why yeah. do we have that stuff right and, and you don't need that and you shouldn't have that and we shouldn't uh, admit or acknowledge that we need that in any way, shape, or form to to give it an excuse that we acquire that. Uh, I I used to live in Philadelphia. I lived there for thirty-something years. That's where where I was raised before I moved here for the next thirty-something-year pattern. And I, I can never forget, and I will never forget the uh, uh, the Paladin Village uh, move debacle uh, when they opened up with fifty-caliber machine guns, fifty-caliber machine guns in a city street. Uh, 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 the, the Frank Rizzo, the, the, uh, the, the error back then when, when when control the public, no matter what, you, uh, I, I just, I cannot fathom it. And when I heard, and I don't, I didn't bring it with me, I don't have the remarks in front of me, but I have them at home somewhere from uh, a couple of the of the union representatives. We will, we, we don't want to give an inch is what they're basically saying. We're not doing anything wrong. Well, yes, you are. You were condoning things that are wrong. You're allowing things that are wrong. And until we start looking that in the eye and saying, this is wrong to the citizens of Delaware. This is wrong to to people. To, to, the, right, to, to the civil rights of people. You can't say you have more civil rights because you're wearing a badge unless I have all respect in the world for cops. And, and I and I worked in, in Philly. I worked in bars that were 95% of the clientele was policemen. And I, and I know the inner workings and the, the, the severity uh, of the responsibility that they, they uh, carry. But you can't look, at it and look aside and say, well, no, uh, we don't need anything changed here. No, we need accountability. We need openness. We need transparency. We need to be able to identify cops that have been progressively headed in the direction of abuse of citizens. We have to yeah. know that, and we don't know that. We can't fix it. If we can't fix it, then it becomes almost like, "Well, you're attacking all policemen." No, 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 no. That's not true, and that's that's wrong-headed. And that's a tactic to try to dissuade uh, the general public from being engaged and un, uh, and wanting a, a legitimate reform. When they talk about that defund the defunded police, I've never in my life thought that. Uh, who's the guy? Uh, Lance. I think it's Luntz. Luntz, who who oh, creates phraseology the, the, the for pollster, for yeah, like, yeah, Republicans, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah they, They've taken something which was probably a bad choice of words by the Democrats, uh, police defunding, and and refused to acknowledge what the reality of it is. It's not police defunding. It is to say, since part of that money that the police are now uh, getting to have more cops on the scene, to social work, to uh, to rehab work, to the type of things that will disallow those. Uh, those 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 policemen from even becoming victims of violence because there'll be much more controlled aspect of what what is bringing on the violence and all that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've made I made the point uh, a few weeks ago. You know, you see it now uh, in the city of Wilmington, for example. Um, <clears throat> lot of stuff blowing up. The council uh, has you know voted no confidence against the, the, the chief of police, and so the Przicki and the chief are now you know up against the council. Um, of course, the Lamont L- L- Moses thing is still very fresh. Yep. Uh, that killing, and the and the and the, the the cry from the police always is, well, if we can improve like relations with the community, if we can have better community relations, you know, maybe we can work some of these problems out. The first step in that. Is to take responsibility for what you're doing. Exactly. So if you're going to be adamant about taking zero responsibility, about being the only uh, people, uh, you know, legally, uh, you know, the, the legal armed, the legal arm of the state, the state power that's 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 armed out there, and you don't want to take, you want to take zero responsibility, there will never be good community relations. That's just uh, that's just a uh, a reality, I think. Mm-hmm. And so until we start, and, until we start talking about it in those terms. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm I'm not I'm uh, I'm pessimistic that anything's going to get anywhere because I don't think people like having that talking in those terms about you yeah. know you have to take some accountability and responsibility if you want there to be any kind of relationship between the armed police and the regular citizens.
2: And, and quite frankly, if you're a member of the public and you want to close your eyes to the reality of what's going on, then you are in a way responsible too that that things don't happen. If, if there you know i I don't think there's anyone in this state would lose an election if they if they passed a, a legitimate police reform bill because the police and their family would get out so much so many voters they would defeat them no the the honesty and the political honesty of it is the fact that when you do what's right, you're going to usually suffer benefits, not consequences, for your actions. Yeah. and that's the way it is in real life. I, I mean, a, a case in point that has just been burrowing into my brain recently is: uh, uh, you, Do you remember the, the incident down in Rehoboth when the Black Lives Matter protests? I believe it was protests about some violent aspect, and they walked into the street. I think Route One. It was Camden, Wyoming. It was just south of. of Dover, and they south were told of Dover. you had to get out of the street, and 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 and. My wonderful friend, the repulsive Rick Jensen, goes on every day about the truckers in Canada, how they're a legitimate protest, a peaceful protest. They are blocking a major city for three weeks now. He wanted Kathy Jennings to somehow take action, even today he's asking for to take action against those protesters that had the temerity to walk in the street However briefly, because they were obstructing legitimate uh, traffic. You know, it, it's not a two-way uh, mirror uh, uh, that, that he's looking through. Well, They're all reflecting on their own selves. That's a thoughtless sort of character. That's just entertainment. You're you're you're, uh, yeah. you're playing a
0: character because but, nobody, but, nobody's explained to me. At least I know when somebody's holding a Black Lives Matter banner and they go into the street. I, I know what those what their demands are. They want police accountability. Yes. They want individual rec- accountability for individuals who have done things, and a whole laundry list of things that we've talked about at yes. nauseum. I don't know what the truckers' demands were, other than I guess masks are tyranny. Like I don't I didn't see a list of demands. What like tr- Trudeau is a communist, and masks are bad. Um, like is that is was that the point of it? I mean, it was, it's a ridiculous, just like any kind of reactionary thing. There's really no point of it other than the reaction.
2: I, I think the whole purpose of it, uh, the, the uh, convoy block to Canada, is to uh, cast a threat. Uh, uh, in other words, to make people fearful of, of, a, of a, uh, an obstructionist group that uh, wields power and they don't wield power. They only wield as much power as we let them wield. And and uh, so when they uh, continue these threats, well, we might come down to blockade the Super Bowl, which uh, uh, someone said very, uh, uh, I think, knowledgeably. Uh, yeah, but you're in L.A. Uh, you don't have to worry about traffic jams anyway. You're not gonna these yeah, trucks are block. Yeah. But like they they always oh, th- they're threatening. They're yeah, laying, laying uh, little rumors. Oh, gonna, they might do something. A trucker convoy at the uh, at the uh, w- at the White House for state to state at the uh, at like, yeah. Yeah, oh, no, the, the you, it, know, it, you know what. The minute they pull over there, it's a restricted zone anyway. Tell them they got to move. They don't want to move. Arrest them. Confiscate their trucks. I am tired of this. Law and order is good for me, not good for you, though. Law and order. If you want to play that law and order tune? Good. I'll play it with you, but it has to be legitimately based, and and it's not legitimately based. It's not legitimately based in this country, certainly for many many reasons. Not the least of which is uh, racism, but also a very severe, severe case of nationalism. National elitism. Uh, right. The, the right wing is supporting uh, a, a, a Putin over, over our president. Uh, listen, our president has as many flaws as, as anybody ever has. But, but to support a, 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 an autocratic despot, uh, with, a country with the ambitions to imp- in, impose themselves in so- another sovereign nation, is not the way to go for national security of America. Well, I will say that my my views on the, the 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 Russian
0: whatever you want to call it action inside of what is disputed territory in the east of Ukraine is a little bit a little bit complicated. Yeah. Um, but again, I do think that the reaction against Biden from you know reactionaries and uh, and, and Republican conservative. Elected officials is simply the same thing as Rick Jensen saying that the yep. trucker convoy is good. It's just a knee jerk. We have to make these people out to be heroes. We have to make these people out to be exactly. your, your enemy, and that's it.
2: And that's that's my point. I'm not trying to suggest that uh, we should do this through that right. or, or this option. Uh, certainly not an option. I uh, I spoke out against uh, the uh, the, coup. It was the Kuwait invasion and, uh, and the Iraq invasion, and I. Uh, and, uh, and, and I and I did that publicly on the steps of a church uh, because uh, I uh, I remember uh, Adelaide Stevenson putting out maps of the Cuban missile sites. And I, then I remember it was Colin Powell putting out cartoon uh, renderings of, of supposed weapons of mass. And I thought, Nobody could fall for us, can they? Yes, we did fall for sure. it. Matter of fact, we went in there, I believe, with uh, only one descending boat. Uh, when, uh, and even his father, even George W.'s father said, before the Quaid invasion, we'll wait to do it until after the midterms. Even he had the courtesy. And George W.'s advised, well, I, I don't know whether to blame him or to blame the Walenskis and, uh, 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 and, uh, and the rest of the, the, the lowlifes that transferred that, him. But I do blame one, one group personally, and very specifically. And that's the capitalistic government. Correct. That is the corporate structure that makes money no matter how you do. If they could send t- plows and, and uh, tractors to Guatemala to enable the crops to be more uh, self-sufficient, people to be more self-sufficient, they don't want to do that. A tractor might last for 60, 70 years uh, like like Cuba does with their cars. <coughs> but what could they use that would be Needs to be replaced. Guns and ammo. So we'll send it there. We'll foment this kind of, of, of a structure. Uh, and, and, uh, and again, we've that's We've done the thing, it
0: historically. It's, and it's resource extraction. It's, yeah. the, it's capitalist resource extraction. Yeah. Anytime somebody is trying to use nationalistic history, and we use it here all the time. Oh, yeah. So Putin's using a nationalistic history to exert you know pressure in a particular region just to strengthen his position uh, against other people making money. I mean, Putin's not really a dictator. He's the head of a cabal of sort of oligarchs, and you know they're making money the way they make money. And so, yeah, I, I again, I, I have a little bit of a different sort of idea about that. But it all stems from exactly what you said: keeping yeah. your power to be able to extract resources or protect or protect what you,
2: you know, what you have. To well, do I that. think my my basic objection to any of these things is is the fact that America right now. Is willing to politicize things that are are, are, are actually should be judged and and maintained on a moral uh, standard, and they use that just to gain ground politically. It's almost crass. It's almost like when I look at the Republican Party and Trump in particular and what he's brought to this game, I see an insincerity. They're not ideologues. You freaking fanatics. They're fanatics who, who want power so bad that they would sell their own conscience, their own moral standards uh, uh, under the guise of uh, of some kind of a ideological di- dispute, which is not an ideological dispute. It's pure and simple. We want to have the R's in majority so we can do this and that and these, no, so we can support this government. When I go with, uh, you know, the same thing flows downstream to, uh, to Delaware. You know, when we talk about Republicans were Dems, you know, and I go to a lot of conferences, NCSL, National Council, State Legislature, sit on five committees there. Uh, they range from uh, from infrastructure, uh, educational, and I, and I hear people tell me at those conferences when we're having a debate or, or an issue, oh, yeah, you're lucky you come from Delaware, you have a blue house, a blue senate, and a blue governor. I say, no, no, I'm not lucky. Matter of fact, I have it harder than you. At least you have an identifiable target enemy for change. Me, I have nothing but uh, the, the grievance of not being able to do things when it's expected that we should be doing things. Our our environmental. Do you know that in 2006 through eight, my biggest accomplishment as a freshman was the fact that I helped push the contract selection of Blue Water Wind. We had an offshore wind site picked. We had an offshore wind site selected, we had all of the work done, and then there became a, a, a little stall point that, okay, if we allow this contract expense will be uh, uh, triple the, the current expense of uh, for generating with offshore wind. And that got resolved well, didn't get resolved, but it was okay, this this will change in three years. it'll be even leveled out and then it will be an advantage to be an ultra win. All of that was restructured. We had the first power purchase agreement in the United States. So we're ready to go roll out, roll out the thing and get this uh, get this business here to Delaware if you want to be uh, territorial, you know to the state of Delaware, but also which would relieve. And allow us to participate in, in a renewable energy plan, and then, and I and I brought this up to a deputy secretary of interior under the Bush administration. Then the federal government decided to stall the permit process, even though permits have been issued to stall the finalization. But also more more importantly, to uh, take the, uh, the the loan program for renewables, not giveaway, not grants, for loan program. Uh, from the five years back and drop it back to one year, and now no investor in the right mind is going to go with only a guarantee of one year when we talk about multi billion dollar project. So the the thing lost wind and the contract sat fallow. But we did so that. The, what we do what, today? What was, what was the opposition? What we do today. We have meetings down in Rehoboth where where a, a, a hundred or so. Uh, unknowledgeable people come out and say, oh, I don't want to see that on the horizon. You can't see it on the horizon. Or, or, or someone come out and say, well, are going to ruin the fisheries. Well, I was in England for for a week and a half a, a, a visiting their offshore wind sites at their, at their behalf. And the the amount of work uh, generated, amount of, of, of work generated is unbelievable. It's unfathomable for, for us, uh, jobs that we create. But also they have... If the shipping lanes are maintained, the fishing areas are are maintained. There is no imaginary problem. So now Delaware, I'm sitting, watching a, you know, from from my position as someone who really put in heart and soul into this effort and realizing that I think Virginia is going to do one of their naval bases into a staging platform where they can ma- manufacture and have the alternative. Uh, Maryland is doing that, Jersey's doing that. They're all now gleaning uh, the benefits for their uh, residents from this business model for that. And then uh, the entire planet will glean the benefits because we, we, can, uh, we, can, we can negate uh, 30% of our East Coast electric generation needs. Uh, we, can, we can move that into the offshore wind, which is a huge, huge thing for carbon footprint. Do you think this,
0: going back to the the way that the opposition works, because between 06 and 08, when, when this was all getting worked out, and then sort of got scuttled, there really wasn't a lot of talk about it. Now, fast forward 10 years, 12 years, you have, you know, rich homeowners at the beach saying, you know, all kinds of things that they've been told, you know, it's go- the sh- it's in the shipping lanes, it's going to kill birds, it's going to do the- all, of, all this nonsense. Yeah. It does kill birds, but so do skyscrapers, they kill more birds. So, yes, but a- in <coughs> any case, so we went from sort of backroom dealing and opposition and slow play. Fast forward to now, you know, the reactionary sort of polity. Just knows all of the buzzwords to kind of like where but where did it come from originally? Was it just a sense that we didn't want to do anything first, we didn't want to do anything progressive? We because the status quo, I mean, I, I think you and I both agree the states run as a as a financial state, as a tax haven. Yeah. And so I I my idea is always that whether it's the Chamber of Commerce or the banking interests uh, or the attorneys that run the LLCs or whatever. Um, the, f- the fact of the matter is they want complete static status quo exactly. no no progress no no uh le- no Leobor, no mar- legal marijuana no um uh, paid f- leave uh, all of that they don't want any of it they just want it to stay the way that it is now is is that am I off base or is
2: is, is that fairly what you've
0: what you've run into in the last 15
2: well, years let me, let me put it this way let me try to summarize it this way there is no more powerful an influence in Delaware than the Chamber of Commerce, than the corporate entities, than the uh, corporate bar commission. There is no more powerful, no more well-heeled, no more be- better-funded uh, interest in the state of Delaware than these special interests. They roam the halls of Delaware, the lobbyists, uh, uh, glad-handed. There, there were. We had one time. We had. Uh, we, we were supposed to. Keep them out of our offices unless they had a special appointment, and they still roam all those back and forth. I mean, you could just see who. They are. Now it, it, people ask me, well, well, you know, they they they're, they're they're quid pro quo. They're buying No, they're not. What they have is an enormous amount of influence in the uh, public mind. That that if we if we take a nickel away from a billion dollar profit industry, or if we don't give. A million dollars of taxpayer money to a billion dollar profit industry, then we are going to be responsible for the downfall of the state of Delaware's economy. And, and that is a, a a flagrant lie. And I'll give you a point that is, again, burrowing into my brain, which makes me wonder, I wish I was 20 years younger, I'd be running for maybe for governor. Well, We have a governor that says, oh, I'm going to impose, first he proposes a law for what he called budget smoothing, a constitutional yep. amendment. Smooth brain. Which, Smooth budget. It, Smooth and brain. Said, yeah, we know. And I said publicly, but, uh, uh, budget smoothing is not budget smoothing. And it is a balanced budget amendment right out of Grover Norquist's comic book, the one he reads to his kids at night when they bathe themselves in, in a pool of, of money and other people's blood work. And and when I see this and it's presented as some kind of a, uh, a, 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 f- a fix for fluctuating economies, I I, don't, I can't even laugh. It's not even funny because I don't know how much this guy. I do know who this governor is influenced by uh, Rick Eisenbergers in the world, by uh, the Jeff Bullocks who also the Markell uh, Rasputins, as far as I'm concerned, that uh, whispered in the ear. And, and it's just not true. Number one, it's not true that that this is uh, necessary for us. But it's also very true that once you cut, and a case in point is we cut a hundred dollars from the five hundred dollars stipend. That we get to property tax owners, and it was a lot of calls for what well, we if we should have it mean yes we should, but we took a hundred dollars. He total total three million dollars, three to five million dollars total. And we said by by law, and when I went and said I'm on Mike Ramone's bill to restore that, not to increase it, the deduction, but to restore that hundred dollars back, uh, and uh, yeah, well we we'll do that in the in the joint finance for the. I said no, we should change the law back. Under the budget smoothing, none of these would be able to be considered because you can't have a long-term. You can't have a long-term expenditure under the budget smoothing. So there'll be no restoration of any cuts that were made. There'll be no added willingness, willingness to to further enhance. Uh, programs that are needed by people, whether they be healthcare, whether they be, you know, uh, economic any kind of economic programs to help the middle class, there'll be no incentive because they they're say, no, we can't do that under the budget smoothie, and that's what they we, that's where we're at now. I'll never forget the first time that we had a block of people voting against, and I think it was uh, six or eight years ago, maybe six, against the budget, the Democratic budget. And that was, uh, we were in the caucus meeting, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm tired of these people telling me what's in the caucus is sacrosanct. No, bullshit. What's in the caucus is it's held in the caucus because you people don't want to face the public, because you people don't want to take a vote or, uh, or anything in the public forum. You want to sit here and try to shake it out and make it, make yourself look good like you were part and process of some kind of compromise. Well, we, we sat in there, and Melanie Smith was on the Joint Finance Committee, And they had cut the uh, uh, indigent money, I think there was a title for it, it was for people that had no social security benefit, that had no qualifications for any kind of welfare. And they were getting, I think, $90 a a month, $3 a day as a a, a, a stipend. And it cost a total of like 3.2 million out of a budget. And they cut that to balance the budget. And And I said, Listen, that $3 a day is not even enough uh, car fare for them to get to a food giveaway thing for these people before they return to their tent <laughs> out of the woods. Now, now, here's the interesting part. Now, this is, I think I'm getting to the kernel of why we uh, work like this. I talked to my colleagues, and I got five of them. bomb back oh, uh, uh Lynn, I believe uh, Kim Williams, uh, Sean Matthew, but six of us total that said we're not going to vote for the budget. They needed our vote because the Republicans weren't going to vote for it, you know, for their own reasons. <clears throat> we had meeting the meeting in the caucus, and one of them, they said, "What can we do to change your mind?" And I said, "Put the three million dollars back in." I had other demands, but I consulted with the other five people because I don't do these things my own. You know, one of, I think one of the things about being a a leader is the fact that you have people that agree with you rather than you impose your your beliefs on that. So talked to the six, and we decided that in the interest uh, of, of this, uh, the budget being passed, that we would reverse our vote. We would vote for the budget if they just restored the $3.1 million. Made that offer in the caucus. Made that offer very clear, specific. Talked to the other five people. They said, yes, we go along with it. And in the meantime, P got up. Pete Schwarzkopf got up, walked out, and gave twenty million dollars in some sort of kind of land preservation for farmlands to the to the Republicans in exchange for their vote. So they never replaced the three million. They did, I think, maybe a year or two later. If, whether they did it in the uh, in the in the budget mechanism or by law, but they they would not concede a, an almost fairness thing, a morally fair thing, uh, rather than accept the fact that. We were going to challenge the party. We were going to challenge uh, the governor. And, and, you know, that's been the common thread that runs through this whole thing. Well, that and
0: you you expressed it uh, when you were talking about going to some of the National, the Conference of of National State legislatures, And they think, oh, it's blue. It's not blue. Here you had the Speaker of the House, ex-cop, who would prefer to, in a negotiation, negotiate away $20 million to Republicans. Rather than negotiate three and a half million dollars to his caucus just because I mean he's a fucking asshole i mean I, you don't have to say it, but let's be honest the guy he's just there to it's not blue it's not a progressive it's it's a corporate it's a corporate state, and they're there to administer it, and that's it and so yeah i mean that's a that's a
2: perfect example of it. i I'll give you another perfect example in the paper back then. I remember reading a quote uh, from Pete Schwarzkopf. As the Speaker of the House, I am obligated to follow the will of the governor. I don't even remember whether it was Markell or... I, I, are you nuts? Do you, do you understand the separation of powers? Do you understand the checks and balances? You can go on to a, a Google Rebel John Quaggle and you can see a very wonderful article that Jeff Montgomery did. It, it was like three pages in, a, in the, in the news I was very proud of it because... It was in the middle of the turmoil that I was experiencing. The first time that I that Pete uh, ran for speaker, I and a group of other people had uh, decided that it wasn't our preference to have him, and we had I, uh, I think we had twenty five members in the caucus. We had thirteen votes uh, for Helen Kelly, uh, not the first choice of us, but certainly a, a, a legitimate choice. Because one thing that Helene Keeley said at the time, and I'll give her credit for this, uh, she uh, she said, I'm not going to promise anybody a position, you know, a, a, a committee assignment. I'm not going to say you're not going to get it if you vote against me. You know, we're going to judge everything the way we should be judging everything. And that is not the message that's ever been sent from that group. Bob Gilligan was the last person that had the class to put people where they were. And I talked to him the other day. And when he called me about my resignation and he said, you know, John, my biggest regret was when I left 10 years ago that I sort of stopped you from making progress in, in what you were trying to do. Because after we failed in that vote, I mean, Dennis P. William betrayed us and a couple other, one, one other person, because we missed, lost by one vote. After that, Helene Keely was removed from Joint Finance Committee. I was removed as chair of the, of the Joint Sunset Committee where I felt I'd done a wonderful work. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to applaud myself. But it was because uh, we, uh, of people. We will I, all applaud uh, uh, All the committees that gave you a stipend to be on. Removed from those. And and I why I asked Pete I said why why are you removing? Me? He said well you know that's a committee we like to put new people on the learner way. I said are you nuts? You know what the Joint side said it's it's accountability of agencies accountability you, you bring them up for review. It's not a place for a rookie to explore things. It's a place for us to know whether our government's working efficiently, you know, and whether the agencies are working efficiently. So then the next time. Uh, and, and the other people, Bob Baumbach, was removed from committees. So, uh, there was a punishment being meted out, which is a horrendous way to do it. I've, I need that kind of a leadership. Then I'll go sign up for some class in masochism and have somebody with me. At least I'll, I'll be paying for what I want. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, the next time uh, I get a call, the next session, I'm no longer on the education committee. I said, why is that? And I suspected why. Why are they he gave Earl Jake's the uh chairmanship and Earl just did not like dealing with my vo- vocal <laughs> protestations. Well, see and Earl, then even Earls also is... Earls also uh
0: hung him up but he had it hung up for him. He, didn't yeah. get, <laughs> he he went out like like yeah. a, like a, like a like a baby uh because yeah, I mean these are the people I mean I think everyone knows the people who are um who are in the cabal yeah. Who who are are looking to just sort of, you know, they would be happy if 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 nothing got done and they just did budget smoothing for a couple of weeks yeah. a year. That would be fine for them. Yep. They, they don't care about the workers of the state. They don't care about the environment of the state. Uh, they don't care about people who were menaced by the police. Um, they don't care about really, uh, you know, needy people or kids. They just—they know that they have a constituency and a, and a power base whereby they can operate this way. And I—I've always thought it would be because we have—we're we're a small financial state, we're a small tax haven, and that's how
2: these things oh, are run. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, I'll—I'll give you one last one last example of the mistreatment of by leadership. Uh, I said I was removed from the, as chair of the energy committee. Uh, he let me stay on the energy committee, even though he told me about the education committee. but I was removed as chair of that. And uh, so uh, I asked why. Uh, no, no, well, you're still going to be on the committee. And uh, I'll give you a quote from Bob Gilligan, uh, re- reiterated just recently, but also at the time. You're the only you're the person in this state who most out of the leg Hall, that most, the most knows the most about energy, renewable energy. Mm-hmm. And what. I had said I'd like to have the chairmanship back because I will have a hearing on the Bloom contract, which was... a a completely offensive i I voted for that that bill i my biggest regret i said at the public service commission when i was interviewing i said my biggest regret is having voted for that knowing now what i know so i wanted to have a a, a hearing investigation so i don't know whether that's what motivated but but the thing that bothers me the most about the willingness uh, to, to fund the corporations to give this uh uh, ability to corporations to uh, it. I testified against the Amazon giveaway. 4, I was there 4, with you. Oh, yeah that's right. you. Were yeah, there. we were there together. Uh, yeah. And
0: as a matter of fact, I don't want to get you derailed, but now that I have it on my mind, well,
2: I'll, I'll ask you that after you're done your, your okay. point. Yeah, well, uh, what, I, what I think I'm trying to grasp myself is the fact that how far are we willing to go uh, against uh, the best interests of the people? And I know it's a corporate state, but you know what? It's not insurmountable. If we have legitimate progressive tax brackets, if we have reform uh, of, of the way we do things, and that, we're still gonna be successful state. There's no other state that offers this pleasantness. I believe that we have uh, uh, 65% of the Fortune 500 companies in this state, headquartered in this state, whether it be a phone booth or, or, or a toggle switch or some computer somewhere. And, uh, that's not going to go away. We give them a pleasant environment. This is rated by uh, by uh, uh, by legitimate. I, think, I forget the name. The tax. Uh, so it, it, Delaware is rated as, as the fourth most friendly business state in the nation, uh, and, and that that that's not something that's going to go away if we decide that we're not going to give away like we do. And uh, and all of these things just combine to make it much more. Acceptable to say, the weak links, the people at at the bottom of the food chain, they won't notice that they only have one slice of bread for dinner. Yeah, people have been convinced. No people have been convinced that this is the the thing
0: to do. And just this week, or maybe it was last week, I read that the Amazon plant at Boxwood Road uh, in the neighborhood I grew up in, uh, over near Richardson Park. Um, was going to be turned into this big plant. We went and, and, and said that we you know this was not a good idea. And the argument against against us was that uh, we, we need to pay four million dollars to Amazon uh, so that the people there will create a tax base and it'll create you know $15 an hour jobs for forklift drivers uh, or whatever. Uh, I don't agree with any of that, but then what you saw last week was that the building itself, And the real estate itself has changed hands again. It was uh, almost uh, $400 million, I think. It was $390 something. Um, And I was trying to do... This is like the third or fourth corporate real estate company to own this property. This one's in Australia. Um, I couldn't figure out... It seems like the LLC changed hands this time. So there was some taxes paid on that real estate transfer... But originally it was reported that it didn't, and so this these transactions can take place in, in a layered LLC system, whereby they don't pay taxes on the real estate end of it either. Yep. So Amazon gets an incentive to come and a tax break, and then the the and then the private equity firms who use the property as a speculative asset make tons suck tons and tons and tons of money out of it in the LLC you know here in an LLC and it's just people think well you know they employ people at $15 an hour and i get my i get the stuff i order pretty quick so but, that's but that's not going to help that doesn't help anybody it just let, makes let, a let
2: me give you a comparable example uh, 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 that, that is the university of delaware i, I don't know if you're aware of it i don't know the exact number now but i believe it it uh, ranges in the area of 48% of the property in the city of newark is not uh, taxed because it's owned by the University of Delaware. they uh, enjoyed it now uh, I don't know if you've been out to the star campus but they they have now uh, I think they're working on their sixth new building and uh, whether whether it be a startup company or whether it be something established in the state we've probably subsidized part of the construction but the sixth new building I can't find out and I'd be curious to know is there any property tax exemption because it's on, University of Delaware property, at least by these companies. I have a heavy suspicion that there still is no property tax paid on that. So the University of Delaware gets that, and I can't ask the University of Delaware and get an answer because they say, we are not bound by FOIA to answer any of your questions, Representative. We have a law that, that I've been trying to pass for an eternity, which would re- repeal that at that FOIA ex- exemption for the University of Delaware. But, you know, but the FOIA exemptions... Uh, even for ourselves that we made uh, 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 all of these things they go back to transparency because you don't have an objection you shouldn't have an objection to transparency unless you have something you're hiding it's, it's common sense it's it's just yeah by I mean, definition correct because
0: people don't have a and this is something we've talked about before maybe we'll get into this and this will be like the deep the deep topic When you were in here before, I remember having this conversation, and we were just talking about political theory. And you're like, yeah, I mean, I don't know why people get mad. I'm just progressive. You know, maybe uh, I have a socialist streak. I'm not a communist. I am kind of a communist. Uh, But the kind of communist I am would impart in people the idea that we have public goods. Like, there are things that we should all benefit from because there's value to them. Um, But the... The corporate democratic idea, the neoliberal idea, is that that's not true. We have to privatize all of that, and in the in the in the effort of privatizing it, and and basically paying rich people to operate it in some fashion, whether it's real estate or a plant or whatever it is, um, that that's somehow going to employ people, and then on on the fifteen dollars an hour or twenty dollars an hour they make, we'll get you know a little bit of tax revenue from that base, uh, and then that will incent people To make even more money, I don't believe in any of that.
2: You're, you're
0: absolutely right, that's, and I, that's how that's I look. Flawed. At, yeah, that's and, and I don't, I, but, but I don't know how to impart to people that if we used our public goods and a public value, that whether we have a huge port here. Or whether we can put a plant that's near a 95 intersection like Amazon is or whatever it is. Or a big campus uh, that was already sort of set up because that's where Chrysler was and they could put all of these technology firms there. That's a public good that the public is not getting anything from. As a matter of fact, the public is paying into it so that a small group of people make money off of it. And if if we if I can't explain to people why that's bad, I do that's like the fir- to me. That's the first fundamental step, and and I know that's something you've been trying to do
2: uh, for yeah. fifteen years. Well, we could even talk about one of the uh, the, the huge elephants uh, besides the giveaways, though, because uh, we want to get back to that. It's yeah, important yeah. Uh, if if we really want to make an impact on utility and utility usage, utility bills, and utility progress. Then we should be taking over the utilities. There should be no Delmarva. It should be. It should be. Del- Other states do it. Yes. Other states do it, and we sit here in this back room of glad handing and offering, offering things. This uh, public-private partnership. There is no such thing. If you want to use public money, then it has to be a return on investment equal to what that would be invested somewhere else. So you can't have a public-private partnership because you have private. Which is interested in one thing: shareholders, their their managers, increasing their profit margin. Once you have a, a profit margin that, that it mandates what well you do, it, then the cost goes up for whatever you're providing, whether it be a service, whether it be a, electricity, whether it be anything. And and that's just a basic reality. That's not even communism, you know. The, the, the yes. fact of life is that that is a, a reality where there would be an opportunity for uh, for taxpayers for families for working people to be fairly compensated or more fairly compensated let's call it that uh, for for their work that they do i haven't yet met a shareholder of 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 wealth that has that i've said wow you're really sweating yeah i had a hard day working today no that doesn't work that way. Passive, and, that's and, why they
0: call it passive income.
2: <laughs> and you know? and uh, it is passive income.
0: Yeah.
2: I'll never forget, and uh, this is all time. We'll get back to the other thing if you don't mind. But uh, Markel's uh, waning years, do you remember when he wanted to cut state employees 8%? Yes, yeah, I do remember okay. that. All right. So I uh, went in, we met with him as a caucus, and I said, that is a bad thing to do. And I explained. I did the math. I think the uh, median income for a state employee was like thirty-five thousand. So you take eight percent of that. And I said, what you're taking out is eight percent of thirty-five thousand for each individual who works for a state out of spending capability. I, and there was no way to. Re- and it was right in the middle of the 2008 recession. I said, uh, depression, recession, whatever they want to call. It. I said, there's no way to ensure that you're going to get out of recession until you find a way to have more consumer spending capability. That is what drives us in it. That's and he said, well, uh, I, I don't agree with you, but he said, what would you do? And I said, I, I would, uh, I, so I, I sat down, and uh, I'll never forget this, because Mike Begato had me present it to the state workers. I wrote a budget with a Phil Kaplan from the Red, Red Clay District. I wrote a budget with, I think, 10 to a dozen, uh, 10 or a dozen more tax reform measures that would enable us to overcome this deficit that he wanted to fill with the eight percent. One of the items was a twenty-five dollar increase in LLC license fee, which at the time was like two fifty for a license fee. I'll go up to two seventy-five, and we had, I think, uh, eight hundred thousand LLC licenses. You do the math: eight hundred thousand times twenty-five dollars. It was a substantial bit of change. Oh, you'll you'll drive those vendors out here! I said, Where are they going to go? Then another one was, was a more progressive uh, income tax structure. You'll drive the millions out, uh, the, the, the millionaires out of here, or the, or the wealthier people. So I went and got the Tax Foundation. That's a good group that does a lot of work. I got the Ta- Tax Foundation studies, and I said, it's higher in Jersey. It's higher in Pensy. It's higher in Maryland. When you're you, you in Cobbs all thing, I said, what are you going to do, get a U-Haul go to South Dakota? I mean, you know... Uh, and, and in the middle of this, the compromise was made that we'd lower it to 2%. He would give them time dime off and all that, which was acceptable rather than the 8% right out of their pay. But my point is this there's things that we could do, we never do. There are things that we should do, we never do. There are things that we should attempt to, to see if they work, that we never attempt to see if they work. And we are mired in this commitment to, to capitalism which is, uh, uh, quite frankly, probably the most damaging threat to America and to the American economy, in, in a left-hand way, or well, the richer getting richer. Who, who would expect that you would give a $250 billion air, uh, Jeff Bezos, $4.1 million, to, a, to a, a project, Amazon project, over there at, at, at uh, the Fisker plant. Who would expect you... You'd, feel obligated to give them that. They already invested $400 million in the construction revamp of that. They didn't need it. wasn't doing anything. It was when we offered Ed Breen $10 million for at the DuPont Dow merger. And it wasn't going to bring any of the jobs back. That's mafioso it? stuff. It's like a mob. It's yeah. like a little tribute. I mean, Ed <laughs> Breen was honest. He said in the paper, he said, he said are you still going to, since you're going to change your plans to lose jobs He didn't put a loose job, but for jobs to go different places, Pioneer Seeds was moved to uh, Michigan. Since this is going to change that plan, are you still going to take the, I think it was $13 million? And in the News Journal article, he said to the reporter, and I quote, or I'll paraphrase a quote, he said, yeah, I'm going to still take it. If I didn't take it, we don't need it. It's not going to change anything. But if I don't take it, my shareholders have my head. There you go. There you go. It's as simple as that. As simple as that, if you don't, if I'm not going to turn down the money. Nick Vassalusi went and testified against a giveaway applied for by uh, uh, J.P. Morgan. And he went in there and he said, you declared $34 billion in profits last year. Are you going to withdraw your ask for $10 million, a dollar of state Oh, no. We're going ahead with it. And it got approved. By the Economic Development Council, which is now Partnership for Prosperity, which is a den of thieves run with only one interest in mind that they can promote themselves as being successful investors of taxpayer money when they are un- unsuccessful investors of getting taxpayers a return on their investments. Yeah, my, my
0: goal is to, when anybody hears certain language, if you hear uh, partnerships in prosperity, you should immediately know that that's bad.
2: <laughs> They're covering <laughs> and up. And I voted against that, it.
0: <laughs> that's a, that's a euphemism for uh, for partnering with capitalists to suck public value into the hands of a very small number. Of exactly. People. That's what exactly. That is. Everybody should understand when they hear language like that what that
2: means. Oh, well, here, yeah, this is see when you just you just mentioned how you make people aware or how can you explain these things. I find it very difficult. When I challenge the Partnership for Prosperity, they say, we're only getting $3 million from the, or $5 million from the state uh, that for a, a bureau, uh, the, the expenses of administering, we get that same amount for the Chamber of Commerce, but they don't talk about what they do. What they do is they recommend, when applications are made, can you give us this much, that much, that much? They re- then they recommend to the uh, Economic Council and that money comes out of already predisposed 25 to $50 million that we put into what we call a strategic fund. Once it's in there, as a matter of the budget, and every year I voted against the budget and mentioned, the longer you put money into the strategic funds, sometimes they may move it into the bond money to pay the strategic fund. Once you top that off, it is now no longer in our control. So, Prosperity Partnership says, and, and, and their head, I, and I forget his name because I don't have enough respect for people that I remember their names, and uh, he said uh, that uh, well, we only recommend. We don't. We don't authorize it. No, they have never been denied a recommendation. Yeah, don't on. tell me we only recommend. When, when you that mo- and that money is no longer <sighs> under our control. So they give ten million year, They give thirteen million. They give five million there. That's what they they gave at that yep. the meeting that you were at. The four point one million comes out of there. That's taxpayer money. That is no return on investment. That that, that is never going to be. It never will be. I have another question about
0: um, financial stuff Uh, because you were talking about sort of the, you know, the budget smoothing and going through all of these processes. Now, post-pandemic, there's been an influx of federal money. Mm -hmm. How has that changed the landscape uh, of just Who's getting what? What's What the arguments are going to be? Because, you know, a dozen years ago in 2008-2009, you were talking about, you know, cutting three or four million dollars from here and cutting it from there. That, those conversations, I guess, aren't necessarily happening in that way anymore. But I'm interested in what this influx of federal money has done with sort of just – budget discussions in, in general and specific agencies and issues specific, you know, specifically?
2: Uh, well, under the guise uh, 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 of Governor Carney of the budget smoothing, uh, there has been much more money for one-time funding. The problem is that the needs are not one-time funded. The needs of the people are not one-time funded. The needs of the people as far as parity in wages, the needs of the people as far as as a ability to live, uh, you know, a, a a base life, you know, not even asking for it. So they're not uh, dictated. So there is no expansion of these programs necessary because there hasn't been an expansion since the, the last the recession. So this money coming in gives us this feel-good uh, 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 attitude that. Oh, now we don't have to worry so I work so hard to balance the budget because we have all this extra money but we don't have to balance the existing budget but if we if we keep ourselves from expanding into the ever growing need for 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 money by by the people that need it not the corporation then we're never going to succeed in in doing it. and that's what a budget really stifles that, that kind of discussion so you can sit there and say well we've grown our rainy day fund, which we never touched We've grown our rainy day fund. uh, uh, No, you haven't grown it. That's set by Constitution. But we have an additional rainy day fund, which is what this governor puts this extra money into. Well, I'll never forget when we were doing the 8%. 8%, One of the proposals in my budget to uh, counter the 8% cut was dipping the rainy day fund. And I was told, certainly, and it's true, uh, if we take it out of the rainy day fund, we have to replace it the next budget year. And I said, okay, but let's consider that. As part of this remedy for this state. matter of fact, Bill Overly was on a joint fund and he agreed with me. Oh, that thing. instead we t- we we are very restrictive about the rainy day fund. And Tom Cook, when he was secretary of finance, said, "Oh, well, you know, Representative, you don't understand. If we if we take anything out of the rainy day fund, our bond rating will drop. No, no, the bond rating is determined by how much money you have in a rainy day fund or how uh, unwilling you are to exist. Otherwise, why? I said, why is it?" Call a rainy day fund. We we have a damn monsoon out there now, you know, and, uh, and and the bond AAA bond is going to be maintained. Why? You know why? Because we give away money to corporations when they ask for it. Because we give a pleasant environment to corporations over the uh, consideration for the unpleasant environment. Environment we we ask our most vulnerable to endure, and that is it. That's just what Delaware is. Delaware is a corporate run state. Dictated policy by special interests, and there's one special interest that I've always vowed that I would serve is the needs of the people. The one special interest is to not have a paid lobbyist, does not have someone knocking on your door, does not have the ability to have someone knocking on your door, is the people. Yeah. The other ones have no no communications lacking Ability. Uh, they they come in. They if they don't want to if they don't want to send two two uh, well known lobbies, they'll send in five. It, it's it's unbelievable.
0: I mean, as you were as you were talking about that exchange, that's where my mind went. Actually, all I could think about is you know, you know, and I live in the city, and I'm all around, and, and it's not even just in the city. I see it everywhere, Sussex County, and you see homelessness. Yeah, or you know, you talk to people. I just had a conversation with the guy who's, uh, Joe Connor, who's, who's working with Marie and Mimi Brown on, on, uh, criminal justice stuff, because right. he, he had done some time in, in, in Georgetown and Sussex Correctional Institution. And you see, um, you know, we don't, we don't really offer really good mental health services. We try, but not really. Um, same with drug addiction services. We try, not really. Um. As I said, you talk about schools. People talk about what schools don't have and, and how schools could be better. And, and, that, and that's those sort of resources and just general health services for people. And on the other side of the argument, we have <laughs> the perception that our bond rating could go down. <laughs> and so I think that paints a pretty, a pretty good picture. Like if you're if, – if, if, if and I, I, again, and I agree with you. I, I don't think that's true. It's just another one of those the rich people will run away thing. That's just another yeah. made-up. It's just made-up. Um, but the fact is, even if it weren't made-up, even if I believe that the person, that, 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 that the, the finance secretary who, who, who was afraid of the bond rating going down, even if I believed he was sincerely thought that, that actually makes it worse. Yeah, <laughs> Because he's saying that whatever we need to spend money on, housing for homeless people— uh, uh, health resources for inmates, uh, re- resources for schools, mental health, mental resources. health resources for everybody. Yep, those do not take
2: priority. No, and they will never take. And priority. They will never take priority because every time if one of the, if one or all of those was proposed as a line item, proposed a line item by the Joint Finance Committee, since the governor writes the budget. He would say, "No, I don't. I don't want any." long-term commitments. I just want, you know, spot shots uh, of using the money. Uh, and is that because of a legitimate concern that after the pandemic money runs out, uh, we, we made experience? Of course, we might experience a change. But if we don't do these things now, and I will tell you this, it's like the $100 for the senior citizens. I've argued very specifically that let's replace $100 for one reason. And, I, and then we can work on it after that. We can work on a, a means test for that because there Maybe a certain amount of value. But let's replace hundred dollars because those people, the most of those seniors, and I know a lot of seniors being one for so long a time, most of those seniors are gonna take that hundred dollars and not gonna go call up the broker and say, Give me a hundred dollars worth of Amazon or Microsoft stock. They're not gonna put it under their pillowcase, they're gonna go out to the goddamn store that day afternoon, and buy something, probably food. Oh, today I don't have to eat the dog food for dinner. I can get a piece of meat. That's what's gonna happen. And nothing stimulates an economy. Of any state, especially the state of Delaware, for its size, nothing stimulates an economy more than consumer spending capability. Well, we just we take it. away the consumer spending capability. 100%. Even if you don't want to do the moral thing about fairness, about honesty, about how you treat people, about how you look at somebody poor, how you look at an immigrant, how you look at a, a, a black person. Even if you don't want to get into that more morality of it, then let's look at it from a perspective that incentivizes you. Let's look at it economically. We give money billions of dollars. We gave during Marquez era. We gave two hundred fifty million dollars to the richest corporations in America, under the guise of of stimulating businesses to come here. We had more Barclays took three hundred jobs and left here. We immediately gave them another a couple million dollars, or maybe it was fifteen million to bring back some of those jobs. They said, "Wait, I, what kind of revolving door? Wouldn't you like to open your back door and the old?" Uh, uh, symbolism of uh, the panhandler your back door has for a for a sandwich and and there's a guy Ed Breen standing there in his tuxedo saying uh, could I have a couple million because my shareholders would really like to be better if I if I can get this kind of money from you I, uh, d- to me this state is almost it, the path that's taken is almost immoral you know and, and I will say that to any of them. And I will say that not out of frustration, and that's not the reason I'm leaving office. But it is also something that builds up into such a a, a quagmire of unfairness and an unwillingness to even consider being fair that that tires me. You know, I don't I don't yeah, want to I mean, be tired. I, 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 I do not want to give up.
0: Yeah, I I do want to mention. Um, you mentioned means testing, and the I do agree with one, and I think you'll agree with me too. One way to means test when you give the money out uh, is to just figure out what their income is and tax it back. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. just tax people back. I, 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 I mean, that's what it is. I yeah. mean, you look at th- these numbers just came out recently. So there was the child tax credit that rather than being a credit, they just send people money. Yeah. Send them $300, $500, how many kids they had or whatever it was. They just sent it to them. Great. And uh, child poverty plummeted. Exactly. To, to you know, it, it, un- it was absolutely unprecedented. Children in poverty, the number of them, drastically decreased. Now we've stopped doing it, and for a month or two, whatever it is, um, the number of children in poverty has increased drastically. Mm-hmm. So. What decisions are we making, as you said? Like I can't, I can't paint a starker picture of a ch- of a of a kid living in poverty, and all we need to do to get it back to these low levels is send the the parent or guardian, you know, three hundred dollars a month. But we oh, will uh, not. We uh, will Andrew not do
2: Yang it. is it? Uh, was it? Uh, well, the thing with Andrew I, Yang, I, no, no, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, arguing. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah I favor that, but but I mean, the direction. Uh, was something we should be looking toward. Sure. You know, what I mean, sure. how, how we craft that. I'm going to tell you just we have time, right? We have all, uh, all day. Could, okay. Uh, I'll never forget that when uh, I think it was my second election, and uh, the News Journal actually used to interview candidates. Uh, you know, for perspective... I don't that, even want to get started on this. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't either. As a <laughs> matter of fact, I don't have the paper delivered anymore. I got uh, so fed up with them. Yeah, it's uh, it's really... Uh, but, uh, but there's,
0: there's been a big deterioration in the, the last year. The reporter
2: came up. Uh, it was actually at my house uh, for the interview. And I'll never forget the the one question that I, re- that, that I choose to remember, maybe because of what I was most pleased with. But uh, said to me, well, what is the difference between a liberal and a conservative, you know. And I said, well, and he said, like, in terms of the uh, right. uh, Republicans. in terms of the. Of and the, this uh, is okay. pre-Trump. You know, which which is like lunacy, lightning has struck us all. And we all have that white streak (laughs) through our hair like that one movie. I've been waiting for the next bolt to hit. How can this possibly happen in America? It's it's gotten weirder and weirder, yeah. yeah. Uh, But uh, before that, and I said, well, let me give you an example, the best I can conjure up at this time. And I said, when I'm walking down a street and I see a child who is in obvious distress, holes in their shoes, or, or in their clothes, a uh, pallet look, needy, need something. I stop, and I look at that child, and I say, how can we have this happen in America? How can we have this happen in Delaware, in this rich state and then, How can we do this? I said, and I'll go on my way, and I'll be thinking about that. I said, now when a conservative, walks up, sees that same child. That conservative says, oh my God, that's horrible. You know, uh, uh, how do we let that happen? I said, now here's the difference between a, a, a liberal and a conservative. When I go home at night, I won't be able to sleep thinking about the child. Now mind you, I didn't do anything for that child, but I won't be able to sleep. That conservative sleeps like a baby. It's gone, it's forgotten. That is a passing ship in the night. I said, there's the difference between a conscious and no conscious. Not that it shouldn't be improved where I should have done something as a liberal, that I should have taken action, you know, but in the fact that I can't live with myself not taking action, and those other side can just say, oh, well, I'd have and go right to sleep. I think to me, that is the difference in, in, in attitude that we experience in in, state, in states like Delaware, with our economic policies, with our with our social policies, and all that, a resentment. It, it, I still don't think, uh, and I'm not sure, but I still don't think we have the the uh, dental care for uh, for uh, indigenous immigrant families. I've the uh, Tom Connolly uh, that is asked me to fight for this 10, 12 years ago. We fought for it to give kids, give kids a smile. All these dedicated. Professionals come there for one or two days and do what they can do, but we shouldn't be neglecting this. Uh, we shouldn't be shouldn't be able to sleep at night. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'll and take, I don't know how some of us can I, sleep at I, night. I'll
0: take it a step further,
2: and I and I'll, I'll maybe I'll
0: take a stab at why I think some people can sleep at night. The reason I don't call myself a liberal and I call myself a socialist or <clears throat> is that I even take a. I take the position you take because I know it's an indictment of the system. Like you said, how do we allow, how do we run a state that has all of these corporations and and just hundreds of millions of dollars through LLCs and through banks and through corporate real estate? How do we have a system like that that allows, you know, a child to be in poverty or someone Mm -hmm. to be homeless or someone not to be getting the medical care they need? How do we allow that? We sh- we we ought to change the system. Liberals, I think, think we need to adjust the system we have to try to mitigate that. And conservatives just blame it on the individual. They'll say that oh, a pers- yeah. person's parents were fucked up, um, and so fuck them. You know, it's sad. They might they might even have they might even have some sympathy for their plight, but ultimately, that's a problem of that's an individual failing yeah. of somebody yeah. that they don't believe they can address That's a because far- because it, it, it it's it's it, it does not it does not jive with their view of the world that everybody's that everybody's just individually responsible for themselves and exactly. i don't believe that
2: exactly and and to me that is one of the most disappointing aspects of conservatives but also a, a legitimate criticism of liberals that feel the way to go the, the, the state of delaware has ceded all of its efforts for for people in need, or people, uh, or the services that are in need, to nonprofits, and they don't even fund them appropriately. And instead of taking the bull by the horn, and some of these things should be state services. Most of these things should be state services. Correct. It shouldn't be a nonprofit that has to come and, and, and set up a mental health clinic. It should be a state service. And when we sit there and, and, and assuage ourselves of all guilt, uh, we do a puncher's pot. it's not my responsibility. It is more offensive than if we were taking the attitude that everybody's responsible for their own thing. I'll never forget about six, eight years ago, right here in Wilmington, I stood on a corner uh, one of the many times I was engaged till I, till I hurt, hurt myself physically and I couldn't go back to that re- immediate thing fighting for the $15 in front of McDonald's $15 minimum wage. And I got a call. Someone must have called uh, Don Giorgiano uh, in in Philly, a radio host, uh, uh, not necessarily an admirable character. Anyway, called they said, Will you take this call. I'm out there and he said, uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I know you're from Philly. I, uh, what are you doing out there? I said, well, the best I, I can do in this circumstance, is to give them some kind of a legitimacy, a state representatives out here with us. And he said, well, what do you think that this should be? I said, I, here's what I think. I could get 10 of these people there. There's a crowd of about 80. 10 of these people, they can tell you they can't afford, they work without, can't afford their own kids meal, <laughs> you know, right. for themselves. I said, do you think that's legitimate? Do you think that that's the way it should be? I think that the sweat of their brow is compensated. It's all kind of a markdown. For Christ's sake, people work 60, 70 hours a week and can barely pay their bills. Uh, what, look how long it took us to even go to this slow motion toward $15 an hour. Yeah. For God's sake. It's embarrassing. For really. God's sake. Oh, it'll destroy businesses. Bullshit. You know what will destroy small businesses? Keep giving away $20 million to rich businesses. Instead of taking the $20 million and saying, Hey, every small business in the state that's been here for five years, you want to expand your 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 footprint of infrastructure, permit? we'll give you credit for this. You want to expand your employee uh, 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 growth, we'll give you a temporary tax credit for five years. For that out of that twenty million dollars would, would expand into a value of two hundred million dollars if we use it that way. The fifty million dollars they give out every year, strategic money, that would be worth. Five hundred million dollars in actual benefits to small businesses. Don't tell me that they care about small businesses. Christ Almighty! They let them build the Amazon plant there. Now that, that man is the most unbelievable attacker of small businesses in, in in the world. And what do we say about monopolies? Nothing. Let's keep let's keep it quiet. Monopolies don't exist. Bull. Bullshit. dig up Teddy Roosevelt. At least he had the guts to confront the monopolies. Uh, you know and. Uh, when you talk about it, they don't exist, of course they exist more than ever. And even if you want to say, well, that is a, a matter for the feds to tackle, yeah, it is. But you know what the feds get pressure from? From the states. And you know what the states put the pressure on? What they do. What they do is an example. And I'll tell you what: giving away the money to these corporations is not the direction that's going to show them the light. You know? No, not at all.
0: Well, I want to. I want to wrap up like this. Because this is a this is an important question to me, it, be, I, it became clear, or I was told that when a uh, a senior member uh, is retiring and it's their, their last session, that there is a day that's that's their day, and, and your family will come and you'll you'll wield the the, the you know the, be the speaker for the day and all of that stuff. Um, first of all, I want to make sure I want to confirm that that's true, uh, and if it's true. Uh, if I could possibly be recognized for thirty seconds to make a statement, no, just kidding. <laughs> but I did tell Medina, I did tell Medina that no, uh, I, well, we're we're, we're going to come down, we're coming down for no, the John Kowalko. You, you probably have sure. to uh,
2: clear that uh, with Valerie Long or something. Oh I, boy, she, uh, oh, <laughs> oh, she's, she's more amenable than than my my other friend. Yeah, uh, y- Petey y- boy. Yeah, but, I'm. Uh, I'm exci- they, they talk about that, and I remember it, and I, I, you know, I've I've already thought about like uh, Maybe i was bail early that day. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't. I'm going to tell you something, and this is true. When I gave my uh, departure speech, uh, and and it was very difficult for me because I had kept it. It was only my my wife and my son knew what I was going to do, and uh, and it was difficult for me not knowing what the future would bring, and I didn't want to be seen as abandoning the medinas of the world, and you know, and, and you know. Uh, I thought that we did form a progressive caucus since they came in, so that's all plus. Uh, And uh, when I was done, and they gave me a standing, which is very moving, they all gave me a standing ovation. And uh, there was a dozen or more said, one thing I appreciate, uh, your mentorship. You were were, were a mentor. You were this. You were that. You were an inspiration. You You fought for these right things. And I wanted to say to some of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, then why the F didn't you ever vote for the bills that I put up? Why aren't your names on the damn progressive uh, bracket bill? Why are your names on, on the bill to ban uh, flame-retarded carcinogens from, uh, from uh, children's mattresses, toys, and clothes, when even the fall your fire department has endorsed that bill? Why are you not doing the things that you should be doing? Why are you leaving me out there as this voice in the wilderness which is okay, somebody has to do it, but without having given me the support to make some of these voices in the wilderness heard for their legitimacy of what they want to do. Why not? I I, I, I don't want to look at somebody and say, yeah, that's nice of you to say that, kind words, but F you, and I won't do that, I'll never do that, I don't think that's, that, that's respectful, but for God's sake, don't look me in the eye today and say, I really think that you are wonderful. I wish you were back. You know, screw you. You didn't wish I was back. You're, you're glad I'm gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's something for a nice word, but I'm sure, I'm sure that you know, uh, you know the genuine article from the fake. Um, and I, I guess I just, you know, I, w- I want to tell you, I, I know several um elected officials, Medina's here. I met with a few other ones over the weekend and just other people in the movement, whether it be everything that we've built in the last 5 years. Network Delaware, Working Families Party, a resurgent activist ACLU, all of it. I don't want to miss on, but anyway, all of that stuff. Um yeah, I mean, you were on the vanguard of that. We could always look to somebody in Dover saying the thing that we weren't there, we weren't able to say because we weren't there. Yeah. Uh and so just from the advocacy and, and activist community I have to ex- extend my gratitude To well, I appreciate uh, I just it, it was, it, because you were. I mean let let's let's be fair. Um you you were you were kind of out in the wilderness. You you had on on some things had uh, had colleagues who would co-sponsor or or have a particular issue or project that they were into and and so you know you would have a little team on on certain things but you know, I remember when you know you were the only one, and and I and I know that you know uh, losing you know committee uh, and losing sort of political capital to do it, I know is difficult, and so yeah, I can just uh, you know much respect from from the bunker and from everybody that we work uh, with, and for I sure.
2: appreciate that. And you know, uh, I think one of the uh, the more, I guess, uh, uh, discouraging. Uh, things that happens down there is that <clears throat> you can have legitimacy, you can have a lot of support, and then the, the, uh, the, the process all of a sudden gets in the way. I, I know one of the things that I've always been fearful of, and I've tried to lecture all the newcomers coming not lecture, but advise them in the caucuses, is that when, when you have a bill that's important to you, and it's for legitimate purpose to it, uh, and then in uh, the caucus, invariably, they'll say, well, raise your hands, if you're going to support this. Raise your hands, if you're we don't want to go out there look like fools and all that. That's fine for some things. But I've had instances where I said, I want my bill on the agenda. I don't Say it to the public here, guess it. They wouldn't let the bracket bill on the agenda because Quinn Johnson didn't support it because he's a corporatist whore. I mean, I, there's no other reason for it. We let it on, uh, on a general, other guys are protecting him, but there was other people in that room that were protecting too. Uh, what do I mean by protecting? You put it on the floor of the House, we have enough votes to pass it because we have a supermajority. They don't want to put it on the floor of the House, oh, because we don't want to be about it. It won't go anywhere in the center Any excuse, that's bullshit. The way the process should be is you put it on the floor. If it fails, fine. Now what does the public have? They have information about how you resisted something good or you supported something good. That's what it should be about. When people have vote by, by what we come out of that caucus was up straw poll, And that's not the case in everything, but that's been the case in many of the things I And I we have a speaker who controls the agenda. We have a speaker who controls committee assignments. That bill I have flame retarded was in a committee a natural resource committee where it didn't belong, and they brought in, now four years ago, they brought in, actually had uh, alerted the people of the American Petroleum Chemical Policy and flew in to testify against it and got as much time on a Florida committee here as I did to sponsor the damn bill. So then, what does it? Uh, what happens to the next one? It gets assigned to the economic development. All of these bills should have been assigned to David Bench's Health and Social Services Committee where would it got out. But instead it was assigned to these to these committees where it, it wasn't getting out. Hopefully I'll get that out this year. But then you had the other stumbling block. Will it get on the agenda? Helene Keeley got my bill out the first time, and the last time that ever a bracket bill was presented. She got one of them out of her committee that she chaired when she was still there. And I thanked her for it and I appreciate her for it. And it never got to the agenda. I got on the ready list and and language there—that is obstructionism. When they talk about Thurman Adams and his death straw, you know, yeah, he actually probably gloried in that. You know, I put it in here, they go, "Yeah, we had the same goddamn thing in the house." Yeah. What's the difference? What's the difference if a bill is is killed there, not put on the agenda because you don't want to, you don't want to have someone have to vote against their constituency? Screw their constituency. I've told them all this, and I tell everyone that I told them, progressives and. And moderates alike. If you are here to just do things for your own re-election, you're here for the wrong reason. And I resent being in the same room as you, being branded as the same type of person as you, if that's what your motivation is. Because I, I and, and I always qualify with 25th District, I could do no wrong. And that's nice. I have the comfort zone, but but that's because you stop went into me it from
0: doing what's right. Right, and I and I sort of alluded to it before, but again, because you went into it with that attitude. And so the people of the 25th, where I was one, I lived on North Dillon. I lived like four houses down from you. I don't know if you Oh know god, anybody. no, I didn't know. That, we used no. to see each other sometimes and I, I I didn't have a beard then and it was a long time ago, but yeah, I, I lived on North Dillon maybe f- four or five houses down from you. Um but everybody knew what you were going to do, and you told the truth, and you and you tried, uh, you know, to bring these issues to light. You 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 worked them through the system. You sat on committees. You 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 took, you know, you, you went out and you researched uh, wind you know, all of this stuff. So you have you you had the you now that that didn't come, that you know the the support the fact that you were uh you know the the Prince of the 25th for as many years as you were is a testament to you. Not no. the people that's wanting because you know they, they knew that they were getting someone who was going to tell the truth. They knew somebody who was going to turn up at you know and 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 add legitimacy to their fifteen dollar hour minimum wage or whatever. And that goes a long way because you know so I see some uh, politicians turn up to events and I know they're fake. You can tell in their face that it's not it's fake. Mm-hmm. They don't believe it because you read in the paper two weeks later that they don't really support the thing that they were out there for, right. or they're working to undermine the thing behind the scenes. And people knew that you weren't. No. And I think that that really was what I appreciate that. That's I, really but I mean I, I and I'm not you know, I don't want this to be like a huge gut, but it's true. It's just a fact.
2: People uh, well, know you, this. You know you know what uh there's a few things in my career that uh, uh that caused me to uh feel more proud about things that I've done uh, than than less proud. And it's not it's not like this build that build that build that build that. Bill. It's efforts. It's efforts. It's efforts. It's efforts. It's efforts yeah. for the environment, for transparency, for good government, uh, uh, for, uh, for the for the people, for the fairness and wages. That's was important, and I'll never forget. There was a, uh, he had that radio uh, on uh, Delaware uh, WDE. I forget the reporter. He's from uh, Philly, but I went on his show about uh, six, seven times for different subjects. And I always said to him, just like I said to you. Nothing's off base. You asked me anything. And he said, "Uh, do you mind if on the air I reflect on you, as people have said it, that you're like Bernie Sanders? And I said, no, I'd be very proud. I don't know if I've earned that, but I'd be very proud. And that probably signaled to me uh, that, that my efforts were not in vain Regardless of some trolling truck like that might come out on 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 a blog side and say, now you never accomplished anything. You know, screw you! I did accomplish things, and you know, and I don't feel that I fulfilled myself what I accomplished. But I do feel very proud for someone to say you're like Bernie Sanders, I, and I I would agree with that. You know, I would agree with that. Well, everyone.
0: Uh, I don't think this is the last time we're going to talk. No. Uh, but. And, and, and I'm, going to, uh, I, I'm going to push this Representative Emeritus title uh, as much as I can. And I also ha- told Medina, uh, when we get some sort of tax bracket changes, whether it's five years from now or ten years from now, as long as I'm still sucking air in this state, I'm going to figure out a way to get those called the, the John Kowalko Fairness tax. Watch me fucking
2: do it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming yeah, in. I really no appreciate problem. it. No problem. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, do, thanks for having me.
0: And they know it in the 25th. They know it in the 4th. They know it everywhere, folks. Left is best.